Any fire is a one match fire if you have a road flare in your hand. You're listening to the Simple Camping Podcast. This is where we'll explore the joys, sorrows, and adventures of camping in the great outdoors through editorials, interviews, and of course, stories. Hey campers, Mark here from OverlandTrailer.com and this week I'm going to tell you what this week at Overland Trailer here in North Idaho, it was smoking hot. It was like 108 degrees, and it's hard to keep a production facility air conditioned, especially when you're running a lot of tools, uh, welding, and that sort of thing. And so it just comes down to like, yeah, why don't you drink 64 ounces of water in 10 minutes, and then in an hour do the same thing again. Um, it was hot, man, it was hot. And it got me thinking, my favorite time of year to go camping is in the fall, actually. And, and I usually like to go around that time of year, which is like September, October, uh, for two reasons. One is that school is back in session, and so the crowds are less as far as meeting up with somebody in the woods. And then the second reason is it's cooler. And, you know, I, I was thinking about people who are camping this last week when it was so hot and how miserable that is and how it drives people inside if they have their large RVs with air conditioning. You're not actually able to go outside and enjoy it. Um, the other side of it is, you know, tent camping and that kind of weather is just hot, it's dusty, and you're dealing with the elements in a different way, which I kind of think would be fun as far as like testing your skills. And so today we're gonna talk about things that are hot and things that are cold because right now, at least at this part of the summer and this part of the world, um, temperature is playing a big, big role in our lives. I'm gonna start by telling you a story. When I was uh, in grade school, there was a group of my friends and I from grade school who would love to go camping together, and our families would go with us as well, and we do all these crazy things out in the woods. One of those things that we did this one time, we were at Farragut State Park, which used to be a military base, but is now a state park about 20 minutes away from here, actually, in North Idaho on Lake Ponderay. And so we were gonna go there, we we're gonna camp, we we're gonna go swimming in the lake. We always talked about seeing the mountain goats, but we really always wanted to see the nuclear submarines that are in that lake because that lake is super deep. And while we we're out there, our families would plan these fun challenges for us. So we're out there camping, and our dads say, we want you to make a fire using only one match. And so we go out into the woods and we're trying to find our, our tender, you know, which is that soft, fluffy little stuff to just barely catch the flame. And then we're trying to, to get our little kindling together and our fuzz sticks and all that stuff. We're making all these things to make our fires. We have only one match, which of course we keep that very sacred except for one kid who dropped it and it got wet. So he was out like right away. But the winner, I forget what the prize was, but the winner got something um cool or amazing it was like it was a food item but i just don't remember what it was maybe it was marshmallows anyhow but the main thing was all us buddies really competitive we wanted to win this challenge and so we went out there and we made our one match fires i think several of us managed to get them going i don't think i won as far as because they came by and they also inspected our type of fire you know did you have 
you know, did you build a log cabin? All those different styles of fires. I think we just made a pile of sticks on top of our tinder and hoped for the best. Um, so we didn't win. Now, warp speed ahead. I was probably seven, eight years old when that story took place. Let's warp speed ahead to like, I was like 15 and we were back at Farragut State Park, a lot of the same people, and the challenge was thrown out there, one match fire. Well, it had been raining for about a week leading up to this and it was gonna be really hard to find good tinder. So we went out, scoured what we could, came back and we were each gonna have our own fire pit in a separate camp site. And so we make these fires. I blew out my match like right away. It was so wet, there was like nothing to it. And um, everybody was really struggling. I don't know if anybody got the one match fire right away. I think it turned into, I think the rules were changed, like five matches or flint and steel, which allows you to work quite a bit longer. Um, we were literally taking the tender and like putting it in our shirts to try and get the water out of it so that we could get some sort of flame going and then hoping that <laughs> something caught fire. Well, I got frustrated enough that I thought, I know what I'm gonna do. And so I went over to uh, the truck and I opened up the back of the truck. And I bought this truck when I was 12 years old for my grandfather, but obviously couldn't drive it until I was 16 and got my license, or 15 and a half whenever I got my permit. But it was my truck, so I, I knew what was in my truck. And I went over and I folded the, the passenger seat down and I reached under the seat and I went back to the fire and I was the only one there by the fire and so I was like, I'm gonna get this thing going. So I just loaded the fire with kindling and then all the tinder I had and I threw all the wood I had on top of that. And then I lit up my road flare and I threw it in the bottom and just let her rip because I figured if that doesn't light it, nothing else will because it's just gonna burn until it burns out. And sure enough, it got going and I had a pretty good ripping fire and the dads came around to inspect. And they walked up to my fire and they're like, wow, that's a really great fire. You've got all this stuff burning and it's a lot bigger than we've seen. And then, I'll never forget this, one of the dads looked into the fire, like at the very base, at the pit of the fire. And he goes, man, that is a bright, bright fire. And I just kind of smirked. It also was kind of pink, like a road flare is kind of pink. And I just waited for him to say, you're cheating, you had a road flare or something. They said nothing. They all made little notes in their scraps of paper that they were carrying around to try and look official. And then they walked on to the next fire. And I'm sitting there going, sweet, I did this. It was so great. So I don't remember who won, but I did not win. And I was baffled. I was like, man, I totally won this because my fire was the biggest. I got it going the fastest, blah, blah, blah. Later, one of the, it wasn't my dad, but one of the other dads walked up to me and said, so how many more road flares do you have? <laughs> and so I just doubled over laughing. I was like, oh, you caught that, did you? <laughs> but that's a one match fire if you count a road flare as a match. You know, any fire is a one match fire if you have a road flare in your hand. So another summer story, but this one's cold. I went with some friends, uh, we were in high school and we all piled it literally into the back of a pickup truck and we drove up into the mountains of Montana and we got out, grabbed all our backpacks and we hiked all the way up to this lake and I forget the name of the lake, but we got up there and it was sweltering. 
down at the base of the mountain and we hike in probably five or seven miles and we go up like the whole time because it's the Rocky Mountains. You have only two directions to go up or down and we were going up. We got all the way up to this lake and in the middle of the lake was this iceberg and it was like late July. It was right before school started up again. So we get up there, the water's crystal clear and at night we set up our tents, we get inside and it was, it was just cold. Like I set up, I had a little red and white dome tent that didn't have a rain fly because it was summer. So I set that thing up and I crawl inside it. It was so cold that I left my door open just a little bit and turned on my propane stove so that I could get some heat inside the tent even though I wanted the fumes to go out the door. So eventually I just gave up. I think we all gave up. We were just talking between our tents because it was so cold. So we sacked in for the night, fell asleep. The next morning when I woke up, there was like six inches of snow outside. My tent was fine. It didn't need the rain fly because it all kind of slid off, but it was, it was really cold. The good news about this is one of us had the bright idea of hauling a watermelon all the way up there. And uh, it was probably because our dads in previous experiences had taken watermelon backpacking before and they would surprise us with it after a really long hike. You know, you're hot, you're sweaty, and then dad produces a 20 pound watermelon. I mean, he practically killed himself to get it up there. And it was the most delicious melon ever. And so we thought, you know, that'd be really cool. It's hot, let's take a watermelon. So we, we hauled this watermelon up there and we, we had it the plan to keep it cool. And there's several ways of keeping food cool without a cooler, of course. The ideal would be to have like a refrigerator, I guess, but a cooler with a solid block of ice in it is the next best. And then a cooler with the broken up pieces of ice is the next best after that. And then after that, the next best is to stick all your stuff in like a dry bag or something and throw it in a creek or a river or a cold lake like we were gonna be at. So, so we put the watermelon on the ground while we're setting everything up and by the time we got all our stuff set up, we just realized like it's cold enough, we'll just leave it there on the ground. And of course in the morning we had to dig through the snow to find our watermelon and none of us were really in the mood because it was all so cold out. But we cooked our breakfast and we cracked open the watermelon. It was delicious. It didn't matter. It was still really, really good. And then we had a decision to make. Do we stay or do we leave? Do we endure the rest of the weekend not knowing what the weather's going to be like? Or do we just say, you know what? That was enough and leave. We decided to leave. And I think somebody mentioned watching a movie and that pretty much ended the whole thing. So we packed up all our stuff. I think the other thing that that bothered us was we had done this in the past where we would hike up to one of these mountain lakes and take our snow skis with us and then we could ski down the the slopes but being that it was like the middle of summer we didn't think we'd need our skis and we got up there there was all this snow we didn't have our skis we were cold and we we're just bummed out and then somebody mentioned a movie and we're like we're, we're gonna go do that this is what I love about camping and nature in general is if you want to find a certain camping environment all you have to do is go look for it and you can find it. Now, if you live in Kansas, where the tallest thing altitude-wise is, is some bump in some cornfield somewhere, then you're gonna have a harder time. 
But if you live on the coastlines, usually, you can find terrain to go into. You can find a rainforest. You can find a mountain path. You can find all of these things. But even the Great Plains have wonderful places to go camping. It, it's own sort of beauty out there. Having grown up in the Northwest, right up against the Rocky Mountains, it bothers me to be in the Great Plains because I, there's nothing out there. It's just flat nothingness. <laughs> It's like I could stand on a coffee can, look at the horizon, and see the back of my own head. I mean, it's like, it's really flat. I, I like to see that there's something around me, like, to contain me or something. I don't know. Um, but it does have its own way of being beautiful. And there are still ways to stay cool in the Great Plains as well. So, something that I thought of just this last week when... I'm, you know, we're going around through the shop here and I'm drinking tons of water and it's hot and I know in a few months it's going to be cold. Oh, I, uh, the other way of keeping your food cool. Uh, this was an old, old fur traders trick. They would take whatever food they had, they put it in a sack. They would cover that sack with burlap. Uh, you could use any sort of organic fabric. Um, they get it wet and they they cover it and then they'd hang it in a tree and what happens is the wind comes by or the air comes by even if there's no wind there's just air ambient air around it will cause the water to evaporate and as it evaporates off of that cloth it'll pull the heat out of the food or it'll keep the heat off of your food. The only trouble with this one you have to lower your food and like douse it ever so often not your food but the the burlap or the fabric that you have and then pull it back up but the air does keep it cool in that way and especially if it's suspended and surrounded by air as that evaporates off your food will stay nice and cool so if you don't have a creek or a cooler or a refrigerator or blocks of ice you can still do it just with oh, basically a bunch of wet rags draped around your foodstuffs thrown up into a tree. So give it a try sometime. That's one that's pretty uh, random and rare and a lot of people don't don't practice those like campcraft skills anymore because we just honestly we just don't need to as much. We have other ways of keeping things cool but that's a good one to know just in case. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Simple Camping Podcast. Next week Great big announcement. I mentioned this earlier. I had a lawyer who emailed me while I was camping next week. I will tell you what that announcement is. I'm very excited. <laughs> very excited. So join us next week. Subscribe to the, to the podcast. Like us. Follow us on Instagram. We are Overland Trailers. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Facebook slash Overland Trailer. And I will catch you in the next podcast. This episode of the Simple Camping Podcast was brought to you by OverlandTrailer.com. Log on to OverlandTrailer.com to see all episodes of this podcast, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, and all the other places you like to find your podcast.